Woody Womack with Mike Farrell here on our weekly wrap-up show. Mike, let's get right into the topics. We know you got a busy day ahead of you. Uh, and boy, what a fun topic. We waited till Monday to record so we could talk about Notre Dame, Florida State. And all of a sudden, uh, you're outraged. <laughs> so, so, I'm not so outraged. I'm annoyed. I'm just tired of it all. <laughs> well, you're tired of what though? We, just you're tired of everybody overreacting to everything. Who's who overreacted? It, here, so let's back it up. Let's say what Brian Kelly said, right? Yeah, he tried a joke that was horrible, not, not funny at all. Horrible delivery about executing his team, which was a throwback to a joke that was 50 years old that right. there's no actual record it was ever said anyway. It's kind of like an urban myth uh, that the original quote was even said. But the point is that reporters supposed to ask about execution. Then you make the joke, not you try to set it up yourself <laughs> horribly. So when he said it, I mean, it caught everyone's attention because A, if, unless you're 60 years old, you don't know the original quote. And B, it wasn't funny and it was totally lame. Now, the thing that's turned into is you and Clay Travis and, you know, some other people on the internet uh, talking about cancel. No one is, who's canceled? No one said he should be fired. It was just a stupid joke. He shouldn't have said it. They shouldn't be offended. There's no offense there. No one's really offended. He wants to execute lame. his entire team. I'm Do we really think that? Are we that dumb? Are we that dumb? No, you're really think he wants to execute people. You're arguing against no one. No one thinks he really wants to execute. Who who said he he then really? Why are they offended and upset? And oh my god, he shouldn't have said that. Chris Fowler just said it's 2021, and he shouldn't have said it. Who cares? It's a dumb, stupid joke that fell flat. If I'm right, a coach, so I'm just saying yes or no from now on. I'm not even saying anything. What's the point? No, but, no <laughs> he shouldn't have said it because a it wasn't even funny like just from a comedic yeah. standpoint it's lame well let's call him not funny and say it's not instead of not proper for 2021 i mean i'm just tired so I'm, I'm tired of all the, the 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 fake uh outrage you know there's just because the first thing i thought of when he said that was wow, he really fumbled over that. That was horribly stupid and not funny. And then the right. second thing I thought of is, oh God, Twitter, social media are going to be all over this guy because he says he wants to execute his stupid team. And I got people saying that he's killed a kid, you know, that he's a murderer because of the uh, the incident, obviously with the with the videographer. Yeah. So it is become a big, oh, you shouldn't joke about execution because he killed somebody. Well, you know what? I don't think he killed anybody either. Well, <laughs> I just I get know. real pissed. I get very pissed. I was pissed at Trent Dilfer's thing last week. I'm pissed this week. I'll, right. I'll be pissed next week. Right, but you get you you understand that you're more outraged than the people who are allegedly outraged, right? Are we, do you follow that logic? I right? am annoyed by everybody in the world. <laughs> You Even you said I, it. You you said what, or you, you tweeted what, or something. I said, Which I get. Me? You you're talking about a bad joke, right? Yes. So here's another example. Last night I tweeted that Mackenzie Milton must be really, really bad, right? Right. Which was a shot at Mike Norvell, not at, at Mackenzie. Absolutely, Mackenzie. a thousand percent. Yeah. And then uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of idiots are tagging old takes exposed, and you're an idiot. You're stupid, and 
it wasn't that I said Mackenzie Milton sucks. It was called sarcasm. There still is no sarcasm font that I know of. So you have to put in parentheses sarcasm. I shouldn't have said it. I should have said, gee, Mike Norvell should really play Mackenzie Milton. But can't everybody's so boring. <laughs> well, you know what you meant. The problem was you got into, UC, you, you know, you, you have a love-hate relationship with UCF Twitter. Well, UCF so, Twitter is not very smart if they think that's what I meant. Well, hey, you know, hey, we never said we were that smart. I mean, it's <laughs> public school. There's a there's a reason that UCF has 70,000 students and it's not a stringent admission process. I just, bad joke, good joke, whatever. I just want people to take a joke and, and let coaches, like, say stuff. Lane Kiffin is the most boring human being on the face of the earth now because of the stupid things he said. And now he's the worst interview you're ever going to do, ever. I can confirm that, yeah. He's horrible. Yeah, but he used to be super fun and funny and, and, and engaging. And now you've got this robot because he's afraid to say anything. And that's what we want is we just want people without personalities. No, we just want people who can be funny to make funny jokes, not be like Michael Scott. I mean, what? That was, <laughs> it was bad. Really that was bad. It was really it was a bad. Michael Scott moment. I mean, honestly, was, like. Well, listen, Michael Scott's one of the funniest characters on television because he is awkward and he is stupid and he is inappropriate. And Brian Kelly is awkward. He's not a funny man, clearly. But, you know, if anybody thinks he really wants to execute his team, we shouldn't be talking about execution in 2021 and he killed somebody. Uh, get a grip. That's all. That's my thing. I, okay. Listen, it keeps me alive. This this anger keeps me alive. You and I just would love to be in a group text with you and Clay and a few other people. I wonder what what would come out of it. See, I do it because I'm old yeah. and cranky. Clay does it strategically to make money. I don't make any money. Clay is worth millions because he's smart and he does this garbage. He does this garbage on purpose. I'm just a cranky old idiot who's not rich who just gets upset at people overreacting to stuff. So there's a huge difference. I would not be in a group text with Clay because I know what he's doing, and he's a genius. All right, moving on. Uh, Notre Dame wins the game uh, a lot closer than people thought. Now, this this is like overreaction central. This room is kind of like uh, – I got a bad feeling. I feel like we were watching two average teams last night. Now, the – Notre, Notre Dame fans have now decided that uh, uh, Jack Cohn is not a game. Take that game manager. I mean, Joe Tessitore, slot. I mean, what, you know, I could not believe during the broadcast. He's like, like Jack Cohn throws a swing, a screen pass or whatever, a swing pass into the flat. The dude makes four people miss. And he's like, another touchdown for Jack Cohn. I'm like, you like, he he. Joe's watched enough football games that he knows like Jack Cohn is having a good game, but he's not Tom Brady. And now the Notre Dame fan base, I feel like, is set up for a little bit of a fall. Let's talk about them first. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's two guys that do it on purpose. There's Joe Tessitore and there's Gus Johnson, and I love them both, but yet I hate them both. But they do it on purpose. I mean, Joe Tessitore is not dumb. Uh, he went to Boston College, which is a better school than UCF. No offense. Um, 
and 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 he does it on purpose. You remember the Longhorns are, are are back when they beat Notre Dame. If you, everything's dramatic, everything's over the top. Gus Johnson's the same way. Jack Cohn is a game manager. You know, um, I think they found a receiver in Austin last night, which they really need one. And if he stays healthy, we've all seen, you know, back in the day how good he can be. Um, their offensive line isn't as good as I thought they would be. Uh, Kyron Williams is very, very talented. David Tyree's fast, but the offense isn't that thrilling. Um, everybody says, I love Michael Mayer, okay? I love Michael Mayer, and I think he has a tremendous future. And I look back at the whole Darnell Washington is a five-star, Michael Mayer's not. And that, uh, that bothers me because I came out of Under Armour saying that Darnell is not. And But... You know, I didn't oh, win. Me also, because I, you remember which side I was on on that. Day. Yeah, you were on the mayor's side, and so. But let's be clear: he doesn't have great hands. Okay, I mean that's something he has to work on. He dropped that key pass uh, last year. He dropped passes. So when I hear stuff like the sure-handed Michael Mayer, it, it's just made-up stuff. Notre Dame has a few weapons offensively; they're okay. Florida State played with a lot of energy, which we haven't seen. They're okay, but neither of these teams are playoff teams. And 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 I really think the game is disappointing mainly for me because I picked Notre Dame and they were up thirty to thirty-eight to twenty. And then Marcus Freeman, who's supposed to be this genius defensive coordinator, goes to a three-man front and doesn't stop until the very end of the game and into overtime. And the three-man front was just destroyed by the running game. And he didn't adjust. And I'm like, what is he doing? So, uh, yeah, that's one of my other problems with Cone is they were up th- they were up by 18 points with four minutes left in the third quarter, and they didn't score again until they kicked a field goal in the overtime. So it's like the offense was horrible in the fourth quarter. Like you couldn't move the ball. And uh, I just, I just think that like we all overreact to week one. Let me tell you something. I'm fading Notre Dame. Uh, I hope that's a big spread or whoever they're playing the next few weeks. And I'll be waiting for the, for the big uh, cash there. The the second question I had real quick. So if Mackenzie Milton was healthy enough to play, why didn't he play the entire game? What, what happened there? Don't know. I don't know. And, 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 you know, the announcers, the, the skinny Woody Womack, as I call him, and, uh, and Joe Tessitore, uh, we're, we're talking about, I mean, he looks just like you. I'm sorry. He just does. Uh, Greg McElroy. So they were talking about sorry, Greg. <laughs> the shocker and the stunner and, you know, oh, my God, we weren't going to. He was listed on the depth chart as or, right? And Norvell said he wasn't going to tell you who the starter was until the start of the game. So I my assumption was he was healthy and that he was okay to play and that we would see him and not when, you know, the quarterback loses his helmet and he has to go in much, much quicker than that because they were not effective offensively other than a few big running plays throwing the football. So I think Milton, whether he started or not, I don't care, but he should have been in there by the second quarter. I mean, he had five completions and Jordan Travis had nine. I mean, and, and the, fa- the fact that, I mean, what is chin, Travis's chin strap came off and then, so well, he should have been out for one play. So yeah. why did Milton go in and just stay in? I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm, 
I'm just sort of puzzled. I'm, you know, Mackenzie Milton, I'm kicking. I mean, like I said, if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm really kicking myself that he could be my quarterback and he's not, he's not, uh, I just, you know, the, the Titus Scott Frost, obviously he recruited him to, to multiple schools and yeah. he, he looks good. And I'm, I'm still, I don't know about you, but I was kind of holding my breath, especially when he ran or when he, every time, like that. um, but uh, it'll be fun if he's the guy going forward. We'll be rooting for Florida State. You know, when they, when they missed that field goal, you know, the whole, like, wide left, wide right, whatever. I was like, is this how Florida State fans feel? Because I was rooting for them because of Mackenzie Hilton. <laughs> is this what it feels like to be a Knowles fan? Listen, I like Moy Norvell, right? But he made a few, a few key mistakes. He didn't get Milton in there quick enough. Uh, he went for it. What on his own thirty three? No, that was insane. That was insane. So stupid, and that led to the thirty eight to twenty. Um, yeah. And then he iced his own kicker, and I get it. You know, he kind of wanted the kicker kick to be closer, and they reviewed the play, and it took five minutes to review whether it was an incompletion or a fumble or whatever. And he iced his own kicker, um, and and I'm not saying that's the reason the kid missed the field goal, but it was a pretty easy field goal to make. But Florida State is on its way back. There was energy. Uh, that crowd sounded great. Uh, it's just good to have Florida State fans care and for them to be relevant. Now, I still think they get croaked, but not as bad. You know, after watching the ACC, after watching North Carolina, uh, you know, pee down their leg against Virginia Tech and watching how horrible Clemson's offense was, Florida State, it, they can they can make a game of anything, I think. Yeah, they, I mean – I really like the uh, the crowd and everything. I mean, that was one one of the sad parts about Florida State's downturn is they showed that. Remember the guy in the stand reading a book? Reading the book. Yeah, it was mostly empty, and you were like, "What is happening here?" Um, so it was good to have that that back, minus the tomahawk chop, which is just so annoying to hear through uh, on TV. It's just like the band playing it at the same time. I, Personally, like it's up there for me with most annoying uh, band. But you remember when Tennessee used to do third down for what? Remember that with little mm-hmm. John? Uh, or yep. you know, you know what the most annoying one is? It's South Carolina. They do that that rooster like screaming rooster noise. It's <laughs> yeah, the worst one. You know the best one is uh, Oregon State with the chainsaw. Uh, the chain they play the chainsaw sound on third down. Uh, the worst one to me is the cowbells. Well, yeah, but that goes on all. Yeah, I guess so. It's the same. Goes I on can't imagine sitting and and I, I would have a migraine headache by five minutes in, and I just want to just jump off a building. No, I, I went to a game there once and almost got in a bunch of fights, uh, making fun <laughs> of Mississippi <laughs> fans. <laughs> How is that allowed in there? How are you allowed cowbells in a football? Well, you're like. I remember they had changed the rule and they weren't supposed to be allowed and then everyone just had them. They just don't. Agree. Right. And then they said, ah, oh, screw the rule. Right. Exactly. All right. Let's move on quickly since you got a, a tight out today. Uh, tight Georgia out. wins against Clemson in a real uh, defensive battle. Neither team scores an offensive touchdown. Uh, Georgia fans are really on a victory lap today. They are celebrating and we got we got funny TikToks and all types of stuff going on. What, what's your big takeaway from this one, Mike? Uh, you know, the big the big takeaway is Georgia's defense and how how good they are in every aspect. I mean, they only struggled really in, in single coverage a couple times. Darren Kendrick and mostly 
Kaylee Ringo, who, you know, Kaylee's new and still he's going to learn. Um, but man, the, the blitz pack. So much pressure. Yeah. What's that? That's, it doesn't matter when they can get so much pressure. No, like, I mean, Jordan Davis is a just a ridiculous human being. Um, off the edge, they've got so much speed. The blitz packages are so well constructed with the delayed blitzes. And, and you know, I, mean, I just think Dan Lanning did a great job. That's the takeaway. The second takeaway is both offenses suck. Um, and, and they really did. You know, everybody says... You know, if if Wisconsin, so if Wisconsin Penn State is a crap game because both offenses suck, Clemson Georgia is a crap game because both offenses suck. It wasn't a fun football game, really. Nobody could do anything, and you knew Clemson wasn't going to be able to move the football at all. Their offensive line is horrible. Um, it's been that way for a few years, and I just think that they've got some issues. So I thought I talked to you when when I predicted Clemson would win. I thought they would draw in an overly aggressive Georgia defense and throw the ball over their head, you know, screen passes or something like I didn't see one attempt to do that. It was either downfield or it was uh, Uwangalele. Am I pronouncing that right? Uwangalele. Lele. Yeah, I always <laughs> screwed up. So, again, remember it was when it was Wagalele at first? Yeah, I do remember I that. can't get that out of my head either. So – you know, he, he was a statue back there, and he was, he was, it, the game was too fast for him, um, and the pressure was too much, and they just weren't going to, they weren't going to move the football. That's it. And, you know, they're talking about Justin Ross, like he's lucky to be playing and alive, and he doesn't look like the same person, and they don't really have the weapons that we're used to. And, and Clemson defense is great, but their offense is extremely pedestrian. And JT Daniels doesn't look like that much to me. Um, you know, it wasn't a good week for five-star quarterbacks. <laughs> that was a battle of five-star quarterbacks, and they both looked bad. <laughs> Reminds me of when I watched uh, Shane Morris and Bryce Ramsey play a 0-0-7-on-7 game. I had never seen a 0 0 It's virtually impossible. Luckily, Bryce Ramsey never sniffed five, but Shane Morris was regrettably a five at one point, and then we dropped him to four finally. But, oof. So uh, I definitely think there's like some creativity issues with Clemson's offense. Uh, I still think that they're going to bounce back. I, I just think that, that DJ got a little rattled. I mean, you know, I was told during the rankings process that he was Cam Newton and I didn't see any, I did not see those wheels. Where was the okay. wheel? Where were the wheels? That's a great point because he physically in high school, you know, he's six five two fifty. So there is the Cam Newton you know, because he could move, he could run. We we saw him run in high school, not not designed. He didn't have to run as much, but you know, I mean, Herb Street was harp, harping on it the whole time, and he was right about it. You got to get him out in space and let him run and become a threat. And you know, now people are saying that he's not willing to run. You know, because they ran with Deshaun and they ran with Taj Boyd and they ran with Trevor. And they, why aren't they? No, it was just a horrible game plan. Um, yeah. They made no adjustments at all. Um, and, and I'm very disappointed in, you know, how the coaching staff handled this entire game. I mean, Venables was doing his thing with the get back coach and the defense was good. And Brian Brise and Miles Murphy looked great. And Trent Simpson looked good. And they're just loaded on defense, but offensively they had no answer. They didn't try anything new. Um, and he could have been a runner, 
you keep him off balance a little bit. I think he ran once, but it was so sad to see him just in the pocket, staring at his first progression, right? Locking in and then just waiting too long and getting sacked every time. I mean, he had no chance and he was way over his head. Yeah, it's weird because we saw him playing a really big game on the road at Notre Dame last year. They had lost, but I mean, he threw for like 500 yards. I mean, I I, I think it's going to be a good reset for them. But the, the thing is, like, we get sp- spoiled. I mean, you know, they, they had their chances. I mean, there was a few times where they looked like they were going to get a field goal, and then he took a sack on third down to knock him out of field goal range. I mean, there was a lot of punting inside the 50 or in Georgia territory uh, by Clemson. Um, but like you said, I think both of these offenses really need to kind of go back to the drawing board and try to f- make their quarterbacks more comfortable. It's hard for, you know, Clemson is missing EJ Williams, who, who could be like a kind of a security blanket guy. And then, of course, Georgia was without Washington. They don't have George Pickens, who kind of flourished with Daniels down the stretch last year. Um, I like Brock Bowers. He looked really good catching. I mean, did you. I like that creativity from Georgia, like getting the tight end involved. And I think some of that stuff kind of saved them as opposed to, you know, we, we needed to see some of that from Clemson. So uh, where do you have Georgia in your rankings? Number one, number two. Oh, number two. Yeah. Alabama, the way they missed manhandled Miami, it was an absolute joke. Um, Miami looked like, I don't know. They looked like temple. <laughs> they did. They, they, I mean, there's no difference. If you put temple uniforms on them with owls on their helmet, it's the same thing. Alabama just absolutely destroyed them in every aspect of football. It wasn't fun or funny. It was just amazing. And Alabama is clearly the team to beat. Bryce Young is is so mature beyond his years with his poise in the pocket and the way he moves around and just never panics and. They've got wide receivers. They've got running backs. The offensive line's loaded. The defense is loaded. I mean, I just don't know who's going to challenge them because Ohio State's defense looks suspect to me. Obviously, Clemson has doesn't have the offense that can handle that Alabama defense. I don't think that Georgia has the offense that can handle them. And Oklahoma didn't look that good either. So who is it that's going to really push them? Um, I'm not giving them the national title, but they're clearly number one. So I was at the game, uh, as you know, in the press box doing some work, uh, pretending to at least. Um, and that play early in the game where Young's under pressure and I, I, they were coming towards me in the end zone. I'm pretty high up. And you see John Mechie kind of leak out and you're like, oh, my God, he's wide open. But there's no way Young's going to see him because he's kind of rolling the other way. He's under pressure. And all of a sudden he feels the pressure, he turns and he throws it to him wide open. And I was just like, you know, damn, (laughs) that's, and he did it the whole game. I mean, he felt the pressure and it, it, you know, the best quarterbacks kind of have the ice in the back of their head. And when, when we were having the debate about uh, Bryce versus DJ, I I ended up coming down on the side of Bryce um, just because like, He's just a master of like control. And we've seen that over the years, how many five-star quarterbacks that have been successful have that kind of calming factor. You know, Deshaun Watson was like that. Of course, Trevor was like that. You never see the guy screaming at the sideline. You never get, you never see him look like that deer in the headlights look. Um, so, cause like, I mean, 
physically, you wouldn't think Bryce is like a no-brainer five-star quarterback when you see him. No. No. Um, but, Mom. I mean, in that game, he was incredible. And, and Alabama, like, you know, w- w- receivers. I was on the sideline pregame, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about like all these all these elite recruits are just out there hanging out and you're like oh yeah yeah. and also the tight end latu is like oh he's still on the roster and he scores two touchdowns it's like (laughs) billingsley gets in trouble and and latu goes out there and it's just like oh here's another guy can catch two touchdowns so it's like it's really an embarrassment of riches um you always like kyler murray same way kyler murray was always so small and you always wanted to not hate on him, but just question whether he could do it at this level, this level, this level. Same with Bryce Young. There's no question. The guy's a winner. He's got the it factor. And those who don't panic in the pocket are very hard to find. And uh, listen, I mean, if we don't have time for the Heisman thing, I'll just tell you right now, he's number one on the Heisman list for me. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's 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 move on. We'll keep rolling through our topics so we can get out of here on time. Oklahoma, boy, lucky to escape alive against Tulane. Uh, they win by five points in just a crazy game. Of course, a crazy week with Tulane playing a home game at Oklahoma. Uh, Michael Pratt looked very, very good for Tulane. What a tough kid he is. Spencer Rattler, once again, kind of up and down again. So what's your you know concern level with Oklahoma after that game? You know, the concern always falls on the defense. I mean, offensively, they put up 40 points, and they didn't have their best game. You know, and they've got so many weapons. I mean, you saw Mims. You saw Mario Williams as a freshman. You know, Hazelwood's probably going to break out this year. Um, I wasn't impressed with the offensive line's push. I expected it to be a little bit better. I expected the running game to be a little bit better as well. But I'm not worried about the offense. It's the defense. The defense is just not good. And Tulane came out. And exposed them. Pratt looked like uh, an All-American, and you know Chip Long had this figured out. And if he can figure it out, and Chip Long's a good coach, don't get me wrong, uh, others are going to carve them up. So they're supposed to take this progression with Grinch. You know, takes over. They're bad. They're better. Now they're supposed to be better. That was a step back. And defensively, I really worry about that. All right, uh, big win for UCLA, uh, Chip Kelly and company. I mean, really kind of dominated the game. I mean, it was never really in doubt that they were gonna they were gonna beat LSU. Uh, and as predicted by me on our preseason shows, the Bruins are really just running the ball down people's throat. It's one thing to do it in the Pac-12; it's another to do it against an SEC front like that. They are so good. I mean, again, I don't I don't know if they're gonna win the South. I don't know if you know, they'll beat USC. I, I don't know, but this is what we saw at Oregon. This is Chip Kelly's type of football team. It's fast, up-tempo. They've got guys that know exactly when to turn on the afterburners, when to cut, when to jump cut, when to stop. They've got receivers. They've got a great tight end in Dulcich that people don't know about. Um, and DTR just looks so confident out there. They absolutely destroyed LSU and and you know it's disappointing to see LSU's defense get carved up so badly and to see a guy like Stingley who's so talented have such a bad game but UCLA's real and I didn't think they were until I watched that game they are real their offensive line is one of the top 
probably five in the country. So they're going to be a real problem, and I think it's fun because Chip Kelly's fun, his offense is fun, his teams are fun, and if he could do what he did at Oregon, we're going to have some fun in the Pac-12 finally. Yeah, I wish I would have uh, listened to myself and maybe bet the the Bruins to win the Pac-12 South or win the conference or they're over. Instead, I just told you and on a show that nobody listens to. And yeah, <laughs> and I bet them in the game, but I didn't do any of that either. I didn't I didn't do any uh, prop bets for the beginning of the season, but they were probably a good value because Utah people thought Utah was the second best team in the in the South and. Right now, UCLA is the best team in that in that entire conference. Agreed. Um, talk about a team that struggled and a conference that struggled. The ACC had a super rough week, and uh, Georgia Tech goes down to Northern Illinois. The game that they were down fourteen to nothing when uh, Jeff Sims got hurt, and it kind of saved the day for them. Our boy Jordan Yates comes in, gets them up twenty-one to fourteen. And then uh, Northern Illinois gets the ball back with the, with a two minute, two and a half minutes left. They drive down, score. They go for two. They get it on a controversial two point conversion. And after the game, uh, and and Georgia Tech also didn't have timeouts left to set up a field goal. They do get a, a long attempt that gets blocked. But after the game, I mean, Georgia Tech Twitter, holy cow! I mean. I saw a couple people saying, you know, saying he should be fired. Then I heard the reporters ask him about it after the game. Kind of crazy to me. And I tweeted that it was crazy because it, he basically took over an expansion franchise. What, what do you think, Mike? I mean, is it, should he be on the, I know you love the hot seat. Should he be on there or, or what are we thinking? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, first of all, I think it takes a long time to, to really change uh, an entire offense from what Paul Johnson did, um, you know, culturally and coaching wise, you know, there's some questions. Um, and, and I say that because I didn't see a team that really came out on fire. Um, and I saw some mistakes made in, in the, in the coaching game. Um, you know, and I use not a horrible opponent. This isn't Montana beating Washington. Uh, I don't think you should be on the hot seat. It's a bad loss, but the ACC as a whole took some bad losses. And listen, Georgia Tech is who they are. Um, you know, eight, nine wins a season is really, really good. Uh, and there's going to be down years uh, because they can't recruit, despite the fact that they're in Atlanta, they can't recruit with everybody who surrounds them. So maybe expectations need to be tempered a bit, but I don't think he's on the hot seat. So they are recruiting better. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it, especially when I go to games around here uh, on Friday nights. I mean, I'm seeing now these I'm not ranking these players, so I couldn't, uh, you know, some of them I can't attest to. But I mean, I'm seeing more in-state players, way more four stars, of course. Um, so the, when I when I said I don't think he should be, you know, on the hot seat or whatever. I mean, it's year it's game one of year three and a bunch of Georgia Tech fans replied and said, he is one of the more talented rosters in the ACC and we watched him get pushed around and embarrassed by a team that was winless in the Mac last year. Did all of that on his home field. This isn't a rebuild anymore. That's an inexcusable loss. I mean, they don't have a talented roster compared to the rest of the ACC. They don't have a talented roster. I would put their roster probably eighth. Right. In the ACC. I mean, basically you have no, let's say, so it's year three, year one, you essentially have no offensive linemen that can block 
in a re, in a non triple option right. offense, right? So then year two, you kind of remake the offensive line on the fly. Year three, you got to remember, you don't bring in unless you're Alabama, or even Georgia. You don't bring in even if you bring in a five star lineman, he doesn't step in and start game one. I mean, there are some select few people that can do that. We see five stars go places in redshirt for a year or play a few games and work their way in. They rarely play right away. So you're talking about, you know, Georgia Tech bringing in three and four star guys. They need time. Now, if they go two and ten, okay, he's definitely on the hot seat or maybe should even be fired. Right. But I just think overreacting to, to week one, I just, I don't know. To me, I don't, I don't think it's, it should be a thing. Well, and they're overvaluing the talent of their roster, too. I think in Rivals history since 2002, and I don't have this exact number, but I think they've recruited, honestly, less than 10 four-stars in the entirety of Rivals' existence. <laughs> because I looked at it once. I went back and I looked at it once. That's insane. It, 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 look at it. you got to look it up. I, I, did see, I did see a tweet when they got a commitment earlier this year. Uh, from our, our Georgia Tech side. And I think it said if he signed, he'd be the first four-star defensive lineman to sign with Georgia Tech, which I thought was insane. Uh, I'm telling you, I looked at it and I was like, this is unbelievable because I was looking at like in-state recruiting advantages of LSU and Ohio. And then I'm like, okay, what's Georgia's in-state advantage? And Georgia has like a billion five and four stars. And I'm like, Georgia Tech, every year I click, you know, 2004. <laughs> 2007 none you know it's just it it's such a low amount and yeah i know they got four-star transfers you know kenyatta watson and people like that coming in but it's just not a talented roster i'm sorry for for where they are and and the area they recruit it's not a talented roster it's behind virginia you know so georgia tech fans gotta settle a little bit recruiting needs to get better they they can't lose games like this um but, you know, listen, you can't fire a guy after one game. If you did, Clark Lay should be fired right now, period. 0-1 in his career, get rid of him. Jimmy Lake, well, gone. You lost to Montana, you're fired. You know? Listen, I, I, <laughs> I don't <laughs> – it's pretty tough when you lose to East Tennessee State 23 You get routed. You get pushed around by East Tennessee State. They didn't just lose. They got destroyed and dominated. And, and and Jimmy Lake's up there, you know, Montana. Montana's best player went to Nebraska. <laughs> they have nobody. These are FCS losses. So losing to NIU, I know they weren't good in the MAC last year. Traditionally, they've been an okay program. Uh, it's not the worst loss ever to me. Right. We'll see how they bounce back. All right. Last but not least, uh, real quick, Heisman Watch. You mentioned your number one already is uh, – Bryce Young, I mean, an incredible game. Four touchdowns, yeah. really. I mean, against the Blitz, I mentioned it, against the top 25 opponent. Really, there's uh, – is there anybody in second? Bijan Robinson, is, is he your second? Bijan's number two for me right now because all the quarterbacks kind of sucked. You know, I mean, you've got your your Sam Owls, and he's already out of the Heisman race. I mean, you're just not going to get back into it after that performance, um, you know. Uh, DJ Uwongalele, I'm getting better. He's out. Um, you know, I, I, it, these well, guys can put up big numbers and they can get back in it. I'm just being a little bit dramatic, but 
you know, a lot of the quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler struggled as well, that we expect to be the guys, JT Daniels, you know, the, all the guys that were mentioned. Now, we still got Matt Corral. This is, he's pre the, the taping of this. But right now it's Bryce Young, and then I got a running back number two. And, and that's, that's good for Bryce Young because the running back's not going to win it. But Bijan is the real deal. He carried Texas as usual um, with Jordan Whittington. You see how freaking big Jordan Whittington is now? Yeah, yeah, he's a big dude. I mean, uh, we we ended up making him a five star at the end, didn't we? No, we kept him as a four. Oh, we didn't. Oh, we we argued about it. I remember that. We did argue about it, but he is. I mean, I'm not talking like he is physically <laughs> scary looking. Like I haven't seen a wide receiver like that since. Who was the dude uh, in the NFL who was jacked out of his mind? Ah, <laughs> uh, he played at Florida yeah, State. Jack out of his mind. Anyways, I'm off, I'm off topic. Bijan's my no. number two. I don't know who number three is. I, I don't. How about Will Levis? David Boston. I'm telling you right now. David I was Boston. I was a little bit premature on Tanner Morgan. Okay. Will Levis has an NFL arm. He's there you go. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. Now he's weird as hell. Eats bananas yeah. with the skin on it. Yeah. All that stuff. Well, what about Jack Cohn? Where does he rank? <laughs> we well, right now, of course, <laughs> with his uh, four touchdown, one interception game, and he's going to be up there. Uh, one week Heisman rankings are stupid, but we do them. But no, I mean, he's got no chance to win the Heisman. He's a game manager. I'm sorry. And, you know, Herb Street t- t- uh, tweeted last night, you know, already doing sort of like a like a flex on Jack Cohn. And I said, I said, too early, too early, too early. And he responded, he goes, you know, I'm talking about heart and I'm talking about leadership and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh my Lord. okay, like, that's fine. Let's see when the chips are down, if he can lead the team back. Um, you know, I don't still haven't seen a Notre Dame quarterback since Brady Quinn who can lead the football team back from a, a from a large deficit. And Jack Cohn's not that guy. All right. So that wraps it up for this week. Uh, Mike and I, of course, will be back with our picks later in the week. We had 10, I feel like we recorded 10 pick shows last week because of the weird schedule. We'll just do one, uh, extended one next week. So be sure to check out on our YouTube channel, uh, check out the Godfather and Gorney feed or the Commitment Issues feed where you can find uh, this show and hopefully our weekly picks. But definitely watch the video because. I mean, who wouldn't want to see me and you, Mike? <laughs> we are very handsome human beings. I mean, you're the you're the skinny Greg McElroy, and and someone told me the other day I look like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> they were completely did inebriated, they, like so drunk. Your, did they ask for your social security number too? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't online. It was in person. But they were so drunk that they couldn't even see straight. And I said, "Yeah, I do look like Ryan Reynolds." Thank you. <laughs> wow okay all right well that's it for us i can't even talk <laughs> it happens it happens i get that a lot uh i get fat michael buble a lot so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one too skinny greg mcelroy or fat michael buble i just get ryan reynolds i'm sorry <laughs> uh okay all right that wraps it up for us we'll be back with our picture at the end of the week thanks mike all right